Boils, ghouls, and all the fiends in between, this is the Crypt Keepers. I'm Spooky Bruce. And I'm Horror Ryan. This is a show where we examine the HBO horror anthology series Tales from the Crypt. Each episode, we take a deep dive into one episode of the series and the comic that inspired it. Today, we're looking at The Man Who Was Death, the very first, well, kind of, sort of, sort of. Ep- episode of Tales from the Crypt, inspired by a story that ran in issue 17 of Crypt of Terror. How you doing, Ryan? It's been a while since I've seen you. <laughs> right, it really has. Yeah. It's been a minute. Yeah, it's been so long since we recorded the last episode. Yes. How you doing? Uh, good, yeah. good, good. It's yeah. a good break between episodes. Yeah, yeah. I heard you uh, You went to see Leanna Quigley last night. I did. Yeah. Yes, yeah, How I did. was that? Uh, it was pretty amazing. Me yeah. and my girlfriend, Natalie, we went to a event hosted by the Louisville Gore Club. Which is a... Um, uh, called the Gold Club. It is a bar that shows horror movies on every Sunday night. Right. It's just a group that creates events and think they have their own podcast. And uh, big shout out to the Gore Club for hosting Leanna Quigley last yeah. night. It was a great, great event. They had um, art. We uh, Natalie bought some art. And uh, the funny thing is, is we are actually in the process of buying a house. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. And. She is quickly stacking up art to fill in this house that we cannot go in yet, but it's going to be pretty amazing. We're going to have a Creature from the Black Lagoon themed bathroom. Which you already have one in the house you're in now. We do, but she's upped it up with some art and stuff like that. So I think that's going to be pretty cool. And I'm like, you have free reign because she's a spooky girl, Mm -hmm. you know, so I'm I'm totally down with that. But yeah, last night was really fun. They did like a QA and a session. They did a... um, career retrospective where they showed scenes from her movies mm-hmm. and they talked about it. And, and if you and, don't know, Leanna Quigley was, uh, an, is an actress. She's still around. So she is an actress. Uh, she was in such greats as the return, return of the living dead. Uh, I don't want to muddle that. And mm-hmm. what else, what else she's been in? Um, um sorority babes at the slime ball bowl. <laughs> that is one of the best titles. Ever. One of the best titles in horror history. Was um, she, in, was she in the Hollywood chainsaw hookers? She was. Okay. Yeah. She was Hollywood chainsaw hookers. Uh, that's another movie that me and Natalie have watched recently and loved it. Chopping mall. She, I don't think she's in chopping mall. Okay. Uh, she's in nightmare sisters. Okay. Which basically is soft, soft core porn. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, let's not beat around the bush about that, but she basically is just like <laughs> probably the, <laughs> there is bush, <laughs> but, and I guess she's probably the number one eighties horror scream queen. Okay. was probably the, the thing. And, uh, we met her last night, did an autograph. She autographed, uh, my favorite movie that she's in, Return of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. And Natalie's favorite movie is Night of the Demons that she's in. And so she signed both and personalized it. It was really fun. We got to talk to her for a little bit. Um, she discussed my shirt. Really? What was your shirt? It was a sleeveless shirt that was Return of the Living Dead, okay. but it was cut. Like, Natalie cut the sleeves right. off for me so I could right. basically have it mm-hmm. as a tank top. Because here's what happens when you get older, you gain a little bit of weight, the shirts that don't fit you anymore, cut the sleeves off, you have summer shirts now. That's my secret, baby. Unfortunately, all my weight has been right in my gut. So the thick boy summer, <laughs> right? <laughs> Hashtag thick boy summer. No, we're moving from uh, we're moving from the uh, hot girl summer to fat boy fall. Fat boy fall, baby. Let's do it. Let's let's get those hoodies out. Sickness for the thickness. Yeah. <laughs> and so, well, last night we're we're in line and we sh- and we say hi and we're very excited to meet you and she autographs the stuff and Natalie is getting her phone ready for the picture. And Leanna looks over at me and she goes like, I, lo- I love your shirt. Who cut it? 
is it you or her? And I'm like, oh, it was her. And she's like, that's amazing. She's amazing. Wow. And I'm like, uh, thanks, I guess. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I butcher my own. I mean, I've destroyed so many shirts trying to cut mm-hmm. it myself. And she's like, she's really great at that. I can't do that to save my life. And I'm like, hi, Leanna Quigley. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've seen your boobs so many times. But, but that, now you're talking to me like you're my grandma. Well, right? she's 63. So, but it was, it was really awesome. And, and, and I think we talked about this where like you asked me how the event went, uh, off the air where it is a little strange to watch nude scenes of an actress while the actress is in front of you, <laughs> especially the, you know, a, a older mm-hmm. version of the actress. I mean, she was beautiful. I mean, she's still Great. gorgeous. Um, and she was super sweet. And it's just, for me, it was a unique experience where I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this, mm-hmm. but after a couple of scenes, it was fine. Mm-hmm. And the best thing about the event for me was little tidbits that she would um, say just random. And it was so funny because, like, uh, there's a scene in Night of the Demons where um, she puts the lipstick in her breast mm-hmm. and then a guy walks in. Well, on the screen right behind her, they're showing that scene mm-hmm. and the guy walks in. And out of nowhere, she goes, That guy's a chiropractor now. <laughs> And the crowd went nuts. We were like, what? <laughs> that was probably my favorite. That That's was the biggest great. laugh of the night. That's great. But she was really sweet and it was a wonderful time. Yeah, we, we had wanted to go to that. But we were supposed to go to Pennsylvania to pick up Oh, our yeah. Let's son. talk about your recent Yeah, events. we were supposed to go to Pennsylvania to pick up our youngest son from his grandparents. Uh, but my wife ended up in the hospital earlier in the week, the day we were supposed to leave, and she was in, in there for about 36 hours. She's perfectly fine. She's going to be okay. Uh, shout so, out to Grace. Yeah, shout out to my dear lady wife, Grace. And so her dad instead came down here to bring our youngest back. Right. Right. So that was, uh, and we cut down a tree. So that was my Saturday. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not that bad. We're doing pretty good. We hope you guys are doing pretty well out there. And thank you again for listening to two horror nerds just geek out. The most exciting part of my day yesterday was I took a really good picture of a praying mantis. This guy makes ridiculous photography of wild insects and and stuff. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's become a a hobby to take a... I, I found out that about a year ago we were outside of Ryan's house and there was a frog on his on the, the wall of mm-hmm. your house. And so I tried to take a picture of it and I found out my my phone takes really good pictures of very small things. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty amazing. a hobby of mine yeah. since then. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. So uh, you want to talk about the episodes today or the, the, man, the episode and the comic today. The right. The man who was death. The man who was death. You want me to read the synopsis we got here? Sure. All right. So this was the very first kind of sort of, we'll get into that in a moment, uh, episode of Tales from the Crypt. It was directed by Walter Hill and starring William Sadler, who's cre- who is credited here as Bill. And it originally aired on June 10th, 1989. Niles Tabbitt is an executioner that loves his job. He finds great satisfaction in hearing prisoners beg for their lives as they are led to the chair and enjoyment in the pain electrocution causes the condemned. Through a series of fourth wall breaking vignettes, we hear his philosophies on life and death and the state of crime and punishment in America. After the state legislature ends the death penalty, Talbot finds himself out of a job. He begins a new career as a vigilante, punishing criminals that escape justice on technicalities or through the mistakes of juries. Before he, he can kill his fourth victim, Talbot is arrested just as the legislature reinstates the death penalty. Later, Talbot begs for his life as he, as he is led to the chair, just like the prisoners he once mocked. 
Dun, dun, dun. Uh, so uh, what did you think of this episode? This is the, the, so we're calling it the first kind of sort of episode because on the it was the third one to air the night that Tales from the Crypt premiered on HBO. Yes. Um, it was, uh, what was the first one? The, fir- the, last the first one was, um, it was, <laughs> the very first episode was Dig That Cat. He's real gone. Okay. Okay. The, the second one was all all through the house, which was the one that uh, tells from the crypt creator Bill Gaines assisted. And this on was that the pilot. That was the pilot. That was they the pilot. Right. That the was the pilot. Which actually, I don't know if this is true, but it might be. We will definitely deep dive. But this is the only story that's in both the original movie and the show. Yeah, this is all through the house. Right, yeah, all yeah. through the house, right. Mm-hmm. And so that's really interesting, and we'll definitely get into you that. Think, we, don't mean tell, we don't mean Demon Knight. We mean there was a movie in 72 called Tales from the Crypt. Right. Um, that featured all through the house as one of the stories. Anyway, um, the, so The Man Who Was Death was actually the third air that night the series premiered, but for some reason on the home releases, it's the first one. Right. I have a theory about that. We can get to in a bit. Um, yeah. So what did you, what did you think of this very first episode? Well, first off, shout out to William Sadler. William he's Sadler. awesome. Yeah. Great actor. He's been in some amazing things. Uh, he's been in, he was breaker in the demon, Knight demon night, uh, which is in my top five horror uh, movies of all time. Death in the Bill and Ted series. Right. Um, uh, he, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, he's he he was was he one of the ladies the quote unquote ladies? Uh, no, he was Haywood, but I can't remember who. No, no, he Haywood was just was. like a part of the crew. Okay. Like he was a part of Red's crew. Uh, okay, uh, he was in Die Hard two. He was the president in Iron Man three. I didn't. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> well, also the thing is about in Shawshank Redemption, which it was my favorite movie of all time mm-hmm. until I saw Old Boy. Okay. <laughs> you know what else he was in? We saw a movie with him in it recently. What was it? Okay. So he did a really good one recently called oh, VFW. Oh my god! He did a really, really good one recently called VFW, which is which is a a throwback to the um, William Lustig type movies of the eighties. These American carnage, where movies where the cities are you know overrun by criminals and the good people have to fight back against them. But he was he was another one that we saw called the Unholy, the Unholy, which is one of the worst movies I have ever seen. The incredible thing about the Unholy. Is first off, when Bruce doesn't like a movie, <laughs> as soon as the credits roll, Bruce, he's taking a drink real quick. Get ready for it. And now the credits roll and he goes, boo, boo. So that was ringing in the drive-in <laughs> when uh, me and Natalie and him and Grace were watching the movie, mm-hmm. reservedly so, because it's probably the movie with the best cast in the worst movie. Oh, it was horrible. Like every time I was looking, I was like, um, how did they get these many great actors to be in this piece of shit? And with with CGI that did not need to be CGI, they could have achieved these things with practical effects. It would have been a lot, looked right. a lot better on screen. But with CGI that looked like twenty years old, right? I, right. It was it was pretty bad. Horrible. And the thing, um, if I remember correctly, William Sadler, the character that he played in Shawshank Redemption, he's the one who couldn't pronounce Alexander Dumas. Oh, okay. And he called him dumbass. Oh, <laughs> which is the funniest line, uh, in in my opinion, in Shawshank Redemption. So we, I think he was also in Bardello of Blood. I actually never seen that. Okay, yeah, you never seen. It? Okay, I've never well, seen we it. We are going to watch it. I think it, our plan is between seasons, we're going to cover the movies um, that were inspired by Tales from the Crypt. Right. Um, um, 
But so, yeah, so we can we can given his output, we can forgive him for the outhole. Right, right. William Sadler is yeah. a great actor. Right. Um, for the episode, I thought it was good. I we differ when it comes to our judgment on mm-hmm. uh, horror movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Where I like to have a tier ranking. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I just like them. Like, ah, it's A tier, it's B tier, it's mm-hmm. S tier. Yeah, S is the best for sure. Um, so I'm gonna say this is probably. B minus. Okay. Like it's not bad. It's good, but there just wasn't. I guess the big twist was that he is the elect. Like he gets killed by how he kills people. Right. Um. He he, okay. he suffers the same fate. He is condemned. Right. So uh, many other people too. Right. I mean, it was d- definitely well done. I thought it was hilarious. Where, uh, so he starts electrocuting these people that get off through technicalities mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like you said. And the big theme is these people, at least the show portrays them as guilty. Mm -hmm. Like they are 100% guilty. They just get off for some reason. He's pissed about it. The very first person he executes is a biker named what George flood, I believe. Right. Um, And that guy all but admits that he committed the crime. Uh, He, he killed someone in a hate crime, basically. Um, and, a, and a homophobic hate crime, right? Um, and he all but admits to it. So it, it and I think the next person, the next, there later on is a couple who were suspected of killing the man's wife. I think and that it, when they actually talked about it, like yes. they're in a bathtub together and they talk about it as he is about to enter the room and, and then kill they them. blame each other for the right. Murder. They yeah, give right. up their their partnership mm-hmm. once they realize that someone's trying to kill them. Right. So it, he's it. it I had I, when I was watching it, I had I, I couldn't figure out if we're supposed to be rooting for Talbot or if he's a villain, there, right? Because he's doing he is these people have committed crimes, right? Right, and he is murdering them outside the law. True, but also here's the thing, and I think this may be one of, if not the only, episodes where there is fourth wall breaking. I think there's, there's he a few talks later to you. On. Yeah, he talks to you, and it's very there's there is a great monologue he has at one point. He's just walking through the city, and he's talking about our relationship with life and death. Right, and he says we 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 are in a uh, a society that's scared of death. But he has this awesome line where he says we are pregnant with it. We are always heading toward right. that. We're place. so afraid of something that is inevitable. Right, right, and that we are just full of in one way or another. Like he points to these. Uh, drug addicts, and he says they are just, they're they're tasting death right now. It's all a big food chain. We eat shit, and shit eats us. They can me for my job because they're afraid of me. They're afraid of death. They don't see it's all around them. It's a disease. You eat it, you drink it, you breathe it, you fuck it. We're all pregnant with it. Um, the third victim, um, I'm sorry, the fourth victim, the fourth victim, the the one where he gets caught mm-hmm. is a woman who has murdered someone. She gets off and she's either a stripper or some sort of dancer. He calls her a go-go dancer. And okay. Well, we yeah, that's just her, a yeah. dance clubs. They just dance in cages. She's and stuff dancing. Like that. She's, but she's nude. Oh, she is. Yeah, she okay. Is nude, yeah. Uh, so he, <laughs> this was great. Okay. He sets up the battery with cables <laughs> to the cage it's that she's dancing in. plain sight. Completely packed right. dance club. It's amazing. 
It's definitely the, the peak of the episode. It, it, she's actually the only one that we don't get a sense of whether she was actually innocent or guilty. All we see is there's a newspaper that says she was acquitted that he steps right. on while walking into the club where she's dancing. Right. The fourth one was really, it was really fast because the other ones they released some like... They got off on this reason. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at them talking about getting away with right. it. And we then they died. saw the trials in those cases. Right. And this one was just like, this chick, meh, yeah. she got acquitted. R- right. Right. So, I mean, that, but then all of a sudden, like, he is about to electrocute her in her own cage while dancing mm-hmm. in front of all these people. No one's paying any attention to it. But apparently, someone, they, someone does because, like, the cops barge. Well, the cops at this point, they've realized it's him mm-hmm. because they're all electrocution mm-hmm. murders. And there is a, a huge difference between the episode and the comic we'll where. Get, well, we can get into that when we discuss. Right. Comic, like, yeah. well, I guess, like, one of the biggest threads is, like, he has these conversations with a bartender. Mm hmm. As he's going, and this bartender's like on his side. He's like, yeah, yeah, you're the great. The bartender is actually like um, encouraging him to do these things, right? And there's a lot of um, like kind of I don't know working class grievance mm-hmm. in it. Like you know, here we see these the they refer to as the ACLU types helping these people get off, right? Right. It's very much reflective of attitudes of crime and punishment around that time. This very Reagan esque idea that. Our cities are beset with crime and that um, the system is helping them get off and that normal people, because the system's helping them get off, normal people are suffering for it. So he is, uh, he's taking justice into his own hands. He's doing what the system cannot do. Is William Sadler the Punisher in this episode? Is, he is very much the Punisher. Actually, there is, um, have you ever heard of a thing? called a type of movie called dead end day movies no okay this was um there is a sociologist at the university of oh gosh i'm gonna say virginia that might not be right but his name is his name is uh neil king and he came up with this idea that there are a certain type of movies they fit a certain type of criteria they have a working class person who experiences some sort of oppression whether perceived or real and he, they violently protest this oppression, oftentimes by taking over a public space. And at the end of it, they are killed by police to restore the, so, the social order. Right? Wow. These are movies like, um, uh, let's see, uh, John Q with Denzel Washington, where he takes mm-hmm. over a hospital after his, because his, the, his HMO denies his son's heart treatment. Um, there are movies like uh, Falling Down. Where, That's a great movie. Okay, so you know these are kind of movies um, you, you kind of get the idea of the movie right, right, I'm talking right. about. And we see the same thing. They came out in a very a certain time period. They came out in the early '90s to the early 2000s, and he thinks that they came out. This professor uh, Neil King thinks they came out because this was a time where the working class was seeing their wages stagnate or even drop compared right. to the few decades beforehand. And I think this is very much. The mold, middle of those class rage, movies. this middle class rage where you have, or not even middle class rage, like working class rage, right? And and oftentimes he talks about in these movies, you don't know whether you're supposed to root for this person or not, right? right? The same way with Niles Tal- Talbot, he is a working class person who loses his job because of legislation, the legislature. So the the system has somehow oppressed him. He sees these people who are committing crimes getting off and living their lives and, and he's being punished for, for obeying the law and doing the right thing. Doing what he's told. Doing what he says. So he violently protests by killing them. He tries to take over a public space by executing the woman in full view of an audience. Right. And at the end, because he is trampling on 
the power of the state to dole out punishment for crimes, thereby breaking the social order. He is arrested, punished, and executed for breaking that social right. order. Right. Um, so what was, I kind of gave it a B, I'll give it a C plus, B minus. What would you say is your what th- thoughts on I it? I think it's a very weird episode to start. If if you look at it as the start, it's, it's the a least, very weird episode to start with. It's when the least like, Tales from the Crypt episode exactly, of the season. Exactly. It's when you think of Tales from the Crypt, it's not this. It's not this spooky. Study of crime and punishment. Right. It's not right. spooky at all. Right. Um, I, I enjoy it. I've watched it twice now right. in preparation for this, and I was not bored with it either time. Yeah, it's just a it's right. a good watch. Yeah. It's you know you're not going to get bored with it, but I don't think it has the imagery. Or the kind of the hallmark stamps of what Tales from the Crypt can be or has been to really right. like kind of stay with you, I guess. And it, I want to go back. It was not George Flood, it's James Flood. I think it might be George Flood in the comic, but we can get that. Well, one thing I noticed is that the Crypt Keeper in this is very subdued, he's not the cackling, right? Pun. I think he does throw a few puns in there, but his voice. He's really He's not quiet. as animated. No, he's not as animated. Right. He's very quiet. He's almost whispering. Right. Right. And I, I'm curious to see when that change comes. I, I, I did watch the next episode, the technically the next episode, right. the uh, All Through the House. And that the Crypt Keeper in that is a bit more animated. He's making the puns a bit more, but it's still not the Crypt Keeper that everyone imagines yet. Right. And I, I don't think... Me and Natalie in our just uh, casual viewing, because I'm doing mm-hmm. casual viewing with Natalie, but I'm also going to watch, right before we record these, I'm going to watch the episode again just for mm-hmm. taking notes. I would say the Crypt Keeper gets into the swing of things in the middle of the first season. Okay. It takes a minute mm-hmm. for the, the wheels to start. They're kind of figuring out what they want this host to Right, be. right. They know they want the host because the host was in the comics. Mm-hmm. But they, I think they needed to slightly tweak it to mid, late 80s, early 90s humor. Mm-hmm. Because I think there's an episode where like Arnold Schwarzenegger's in it. And mm-hmm. he's in like, he's got a mullet and a workout uniform, which mm-hmm. is fucking hilarious. <laughs> um, but that, you know, I don't think that necessarily would be something. Because I, I, if, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure that the... The di- one big difference between the Crypt Creeper, obviously the looks, because in the comics he was human and mm-hmm. he's a, more of a zombie creature mm-hmm. in the show, is the fact that he does cosplay. Mm-hmm. Like, if there's an episode yeah. about working out, well, he'll the, wear a workout uniform or he'll very, be a chef. The very next episode, he's dressed up like Santa Claus. He right. has a skinned man's face on his face. It's really weird. Right. I love that. I love the... the it, basically, he just cosplays and it's a pretty amazing. I um, think that... Him dressed up as Santa Claus with the skin on his face right. was the creepiest I've ever seen. The Crypt Keeper. It, it, as many times as I've seen, and I will say this, as many times as I've seen the intro to the uh-huh. show, whenever you put the DVD in, it plays the intro. Mm-hmm. It doesn't play the intro when you're playing the episodes. Only right. when you're putting the yeah. disc in. Yeah. Natalie, refi- a rule, we cannot skip the intro. <laughs> There's and some it, intros you don't skip. Absolutely. And I think that this is definitely one of them. And for some reason, it's, it reminds me a lot of Friday 13th, the first mm-hmm. one. I've seen Friday 13th over 10 times. Mm-hmm. I can never time 
the jump scare at the end ever i'm the same way with jaws when they find the dead body in the the boat it doesn't i've seen you know it's coming i know it's coming it doesn't matter how many times i've seen it over the past 40 years of my life right it scares me every single I've time. I've seen the intro to Tales from the Crypt. Well, we're on the second season, so almost 20 times. Still can't get it. <laughs> it doesn't freak me out as much. But Natalie definitely has a love of the Crypt Keeper, mm-hmm. where she's like, this is like a the, the cute mascot of, of horror right. in Halloween. So mm-hmm. that's, she loves him, and I think he's really great. I love his cosplay and his sense of humor. He definitely... Uh, makes the show better. I don't think it would be nearly as good. No, without the Crypt Keeper, no. uh, we could. I would say do an episode about the Crypt Keeper. We could the creation, we could. all that stuff. We absolutely could. Uh, one thing that that before we move on to the comic that it was based on, one thing that struck me about this episode was the music was dumb. The music in the was it like slapstick? It was like it's kind of a slapstick, but you expect to hear the circus, right? Right. It did not fit the tone of the show at all. Yeah, it's almost like it's almost like whoever scored the episode was not taking it seriously, or got the wrong memo, or got the wrong script. Yeah. That yeah, I could easily see that for sure. Um, do we want to go into the yeah, comic? Let's go into the comic. Do you okay. want to read the synopsis? Sure. Okay. So the man who was death. The episode, the man who was death. No, the was, issue. The, well, oh, no, I was the saying. Story. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I'm stuffing all over. We're gonna cut that out. <laughs> the man who was death. The episode was based on. A story of the same name on the Crypt of Terror, number 17. It was written by Gardner Fox with art by Bill Flacchio. Fracchio. I, I, misspelled, I misspelled it in the show notes. I, it's, uh, what uh, is it? Fracchio. Fracchio. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, we tried to do a little deep dive, and he, there's Bill not, Fracchio, there's nothing on it. Yeah, there's not much about him. He, he appears... We we found some notes saying that he was a gentle bear of a man, and he seemed to be. <laughs> if 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 you're an old comics collector, you'll probably have his artwork somewhere in your collection. He just seems like a, a workman. He right. didn't wow anybody. He just he did he did his job. His job was adequate. Right. The the one thing that we found was a comic historian Jim Amash wrote Fracchio quote was never a fan favorite. But his work sure ended up in a lot of comic book collections. He knew he was not a great artist. He did the best he could with the money he was paid in the time he had to get the work done. That's all companies ever asked of him, and he wasn't the type to rock any boats. So he was just a dude. Yeah. He was just a guy. Just a guy. And I think his... his artwork did, like I said, did not seem to wow anybody, but it was adequate. Right, for it this did the story. job. It did its job for the story. And there are some, there's some nice touches, and we can get into that in a moment. Right. Uh, so this is the second story in te- uh, Crypt of Terror number seventeen, in which the main character Edgar Bowman, mm-hmm. we'll talk about that in a minute, is an executioner for the state, who does not just love his work, but sees himself as the hand of fate, dispensing justice to criminals. Bowman has become famous throughout the criminal justice system of the country, often invited to attend executions across America. When work is slow, Bowman turns to vigilante justice, but having a perverse sense of right and wrong, Bowman targets innocent people exonerated after being falsely accused. For Bowman, the accusation is proof enough of their guilt. Eventually, Bowman's killing spree is stopped when he is caught by police. Condemned to death, Bowman is led to the electric chair, begging for his life like the criminals he once executed. So what do you think of this one? It's different. It's different. <laughs> no, the, it's, it's, the bones are there. 
it's a it's a lot of different paint though. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> a lot um, yeah. First off, let's talk about some differences. First off, the main character's name is different. Yeah. In the show, his name is Niles Talbot, and in the comic book, it is Edgar Bowman. I don't know why why they would make that change. No clue. Seem, yeah. No reason. Um, in the episode, he loses his job from legislation. In the comic, he doesn't lose his job. He's just bored. He's bored because everyone keeps getting off. So, like, he's still the executioner. Oh, they say, they say everyone's behaving themselves now. Right. <laughs> they kind of make it out to where, like, because he's such a good executioner that people are acting better. Right. You know, like, it's the thing where, like, the comic makes him out to be a death penalty rock star. Right. Where my favorite scene in the comic is a prison representative from another state invites him over right. and he's like would you like to do the uh the hanging we're gonna do hanging today would you like to be and he's like oh, it would be an honor I'm, oh my god it's amazing which is funny because in the show in the show he during one of his niles niles tablets fourth wall breaking vignettes he talks about how electrocution is the only way that they to execute a person hanging in the gas chamber is for animals that is really interesting. Yeah. So I think that they put those in there to be winks and nods. I think maybe to so, who yeah. read the issue. And I think um, the difference between Bowman and Talbot. Bowman thought that his it was his duty to do these things. He didn't exactly get pleasure from it. Right. It was just it's his job to do. In mm-hmm. fact, they just they, they describe him as he walks out with his head down, and he's talking about I am the hand of fate. Right. This is my duty. Where Talbot. He gets pleasure out of what happens when he executes criminals. Yeah. I would say They're I, they're they're both sociopaths, but like of a of different breeds. Right. I could see that for sure. Um another thing that was really interesting is they in in my interpretation mm-hmm. of it, which could be different, in the in the episode it's implied that everyone is guilty. Yes. That he murders. Mm-hmm. In the comic, I don't think it's all of them, but a but there's at least one, mm-hmm. which is, I take it back, <laughs> the best part of the comic. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it and I'm going through the scenes mm-hmm. in my head, I love the scene where he gets invited as a guest of honor mm-hmm. to kill someone in right. another state. Another one is a guy gets off for murdering someone. Someone. He's in the shower and he's talking to himself and he says, I know I didn't kill this guy. I hope they catch you did. Mm -hmm. So that's telling the audience he's innocent. Mm -hmm. And I think it might imply now I wrote in the synopsis that he is killing people who got, who were falsely accused. Right. Admittedly, that's only one we know for sure. But I think to me, it gave me a sense. Excuse me. It gave me a sense that they are all innocent. Right. right. There definitely is a, probably the, the biggest change between the two mm-hmm. is the fact that TV show, they're implying that they're all guilty. Mm-hmm. In the comic, they're implying they're innocent. Mm-hmm. And so the funniest thing is when the guy goes in the shower after he talks to himself saying, oh, well, you know, I didn't kill him, but I hope they catch you did. He turns on the shower and dies. <laughs> yeah. And that con- like, all we see is like water hitting his face, water hitting his face, which is like it, it's, it's a yellow color. Which I are they trying to imply there's electricity in So there? he electrocuted the water in the shower yeah, pipes? Yeah, somehow, yeah. But they never show it? Yeah. And then he's just running away from he's the crime scene with the um, cable? Yeah. yeah, cable, yeah. 
And there is one, I will say, like, in the first episode of this podcast, we talked about how a lot of the stories have a twist and there's, like, irony. The big irony of the episode is the fact that this this guy who electrocutes people murders people and gets electrocuted. Mm. In the comic, electricity is how he's discovered. Mm, Yes. Because a woman, I I don't think it's the same character name, but we're just going to say it's the woman. So in the Mm -hmm. show, it's the woman who's in the cage Mm -hmm. about to get electrocuted. In the comic, it's a woman who gets off for a crime. We don't know if she's guilty or innocent, and she's walking in a park. Mm -hmm. Bowman... Electrocutes the water near her, and basically his plan that he thinks to himself is, "I'm just going to grab her, yeah, and throw her, and throw her." And he's like, "This will be my masterpiece," which is your masterpiece is just shoving someone. Get out of here, you! (laughs) (laughs) I'm an artist. Uh, When the definitely the the best masterpiece would definitely be, I'm going to fry a woman in a cage where she's working as a go-to dancer. Right. Right. Well, the police are on his tail, and at the moment he's about to lunge and push her or grab her put her in the electrified water, a lightning bolt strikes, which illuminates the park. And that's where a cop can see him. Mm-hmm. So that iconic, ugh, ironic, yeah. that ironic twist doesn't happen you know, it, in the show. It's funny. Cause I didn't catch that when I read the comic. I didn't, I didn't make for whatever reason. I did not make those connections. Right. That electricity is the reason he got caught. Right. right. Which I thought that was really, really cool. Um, also aesthetically, Bowman in the comic is bald and just looks like a guy who. <laughs> yeah, he looks like he looks. He like looks a slimy. Nazi mad scientist, right? Yeah. And as if you notice, there's this is one thing I love about the artwork in this. Sometimes the way things are shaded when he's in shadow, his face forms a skull. I did notice that. I didn't notice that. That is really cool. I want to re. I want to watch that again or read it again yeah. to get that. But. Also notice that whenever he is talking to himself about killing mm-hmm. people, the lighting in the room changes. Yes. Like when he has dark thoughts, mm-hmm. the room is dark. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting. That was really cool. Hey, one thing I wanted to show you while we're talking about Edgar, Edgar Bowman. Is that what yeah, yeah okay. Edgar Bowman. Edgar Bowman. So here he is in the comic. Right? Uh, he's got a trench coat. He's got beady eyes, he's clean shaven, bald, bald head. This weird flat skull-like face. Right. By the way, if we go over here. Oh no! I think I, I think I know where you're throwing this at. Look at Frederick, Frederick Wortham, <laughs> the guy who wrote Seduction of the Innocent and caused the destruction of EC and Tales from the Crypt. Now, see, he was he was on this jag as early as 1948, probably before That's, that too. Right? right. So they had to know who he was. I would say that they right. were on the radar. They, they, I think it's it's not a coincidence that. It Wortham was, looks like the murderer. Or, the murderer, or the murderer looks like Wortham. Right. That is yeah. super interesting, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, I could see that for sure. They switch up some of the deaths in the episode, right? Um, there's the Flood character, James Flood. In the show, he dies by grabbing an electrified gate. Mm-hmm. In this, it's a guy named Casper Jones, I believe his name is. He, it, the exact same way, the exact same death, but they switch him up. Why are they doing and that? And then Flood, I believe, dies when, and I, I think this should have been in the show. I don't know if they cut it, if they rewrote it because of budgetary constraints, whatever. But Bowman is on a telephone pole and cuts a wire, and it hits Flood, and he catches fire. Can you Which, imagine that an extraordinary shot in the show? He ain't he cut electric wire. I do remember that they were in the um 
description of mm-hmm. what was happening in right. the comic panel, mm-hmm. it says wearing his rubber gloves. Right. Because there's going to be some guys like, eh, you can't gra- <laughs> you can't grab electrical thing without gloves. What's funny is that there, there is a kind of a splash panel to introduce the story. Mm-hmm. And it shows that scene to start out. It shows him on top of the telephone pole, going to cut the wire or whatever. But he's wearing a superhero costume or a supervillain costume in mm-hmm. that scene that he's not wearing later on. It's a very clan like Con- oh like, yeah he has the yep. pointed hood but it's it's like a dark green whatever one other thing too this was not a tales from the crypt story technically True. this was from crypt of from terror, terror number 17, 17 mm-hmm. which was it's kind of sort of considered the first tales from the crypt issue it would be a few months later that it would become Tales from the Crypt. I think it started out as Crime Stories. Right, that was the original. Issue issue 15, it became Crypt of Terror. And then uh, with number 20, uh, they kept the numbering. As you do. As you do. And then when it got to Crypt of Terror, uh, ran through number 19, even it ran for four issues. Then number 20 was Tales from the Crypt. But this had all of the thing, the the trappings of Tales from the Crypt in it. Right. Uh, the, only thing, the only thing I think is actually missing from this is the Crypt Keeper introducing the story. I don't you, think he is I in don't the comic. He's, yeah, I, I don't think he's... He is in the comic, but he doesn't actually introduce this story. Right. 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 Um, Which, by the way, if I'm, I'm, I'm going to get my ranting. No, yeah, yeah. Going on here. This is written by Gardner Fox. Do you know who Gardner Fox is? I do not. You think you might know a little bit when I start, when I start talking about him. Okay. It's like, okay, I know this, who this guy is. Gardner Fox is... One of those people who should be a household name, like Stanley. He's one of those people, like Jack Kirby, that's super influential unsung in comics. Heroes, unsung yeah. heroes, uh, the the unsung heroes. If you don't, you, if you don't know him, you will know what he made. He he created the Flash, the original Flash. Oh wow! He created Batgirl. He created the Justice League. Oh, he whoa. I, he may have created the JSA, or he was influential in the beginnings of JSA. He created Hawkman. He was the one who came up with the concept of the DC multiverse, which is super important to DC, the DC canon, with his story, The Flash of Two Worlds. Uh, you have famous seen, cover, yeah. You've seen that cover. It's the two flashes running the same. Towards the reader. Mm-hmm, towards the reader. He wrote the first Sword and Sorcery comics for in, in comics with his Crom the, Bar- Crom the Barbarian, which is kind of a Conan ripoff. Crom I've read the them. Barbarian. Yeah, I've read them. They're super entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, he ended up writing... God, He's credited with writing 4,000 comics. 1,500 of them were just for DC by itself. And, and he wrote a ton of fantasy novels with like Kyrek the Barbarian and Kothar the Barbarian. Which, by the way, I'm going to wrap this all in this big nerd bow on this. <laughs> which Gary Gygax, the creator of Dungeons and Dragons, cited as one of his inspirations for Dungeons and Dragons. And then later on, they became friends and he wrote some of the stories that uh, influenced the tone of the game very oh, early wow. on in the 70s. So it's, he's this guy who his fingerprints are all, all over, over nerd, culture. nerd culture. And we know, Don't know very him. little about him. Um, now, the the Zack Snyder Justice League movie, there is a reference to him in the movie at one point. In, in, in a flash moment, uh, there is a truck that crashes. Yeah, I remember and that. And it's, it's a Gardner Fox produce. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, um, and I, I, I'm assuming you feel the same way I do. I want to use this, the show, as a way to like celebrate those artists and right. those writers that we don't know anything about or who are criminally Underrated. underappreciated. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. What would you say is your overall thoughts on the comic? Uh, I think it's 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 
it's almost like an anti-death penalty story um, in a way that like this man has is, has become corrupted by the executions he is doing to right. the point where like he cannot escape that causing death and killing people it has forever changed him whereas the show was kind of sort of pro death penalty yeah I, yeah, and, yeah and here's the thing i think i mentioned this when we were first talking about doing this project is mm-hmm. in future episodes of tales from the crypt there is a good handful of episodes in which there is an executioner mm-hmm why was William Sadler not the executioner? <laughs> now, like it could have been like now, the, who he killed before he, the legislation stopped right, him from killing. I just thought that would have been a great now, touch. My friend, my friend. I like recurring jokes. Hang on, hold on to that thought because he might show up later on as a man who is death in the uh, series. Not that character, but William Sadler. May show up as Ooh, a man who is death. I like that. Right. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I, I thought it was it was a good little uh, short story. Um, I feel like it definitely was more of a story of its time in mm-hmm. the 50s, which I think we will see that the show takes the bones, mm-hmm. like you said, but the paint is different. This paint is 1950s, bald head, so clearly he's a villain. Right. He's bald. Right. You know, so has a lot of those 1950s horror tropes, but mm-hmm. it definitely was a fun read. And I thought it was really cool that he gets caught because of electricity. Right. I thought that was a really cool mm-hmm. touch. But also, like you said, with his masterpiece was shoving a woman into electrified water. <laughs> right. Like, okay, thanks. <laughs> but overall, I thought it was really good. I'd probably put it like a C. So okay. with that... Really, I actually... Because you rated the show, the episode, higher than the, the comic it was I did. That might I'm, be because I'm I liked... Oh, wait, wait. I'm reversed. Our first... Mm-hmm. A, a review of a story, uh-huh. and we we disagree. We disagree. We disagree. I like this. So, uh, I'll start. Uh, let me start. Mm-hmm. So, I'll say I like the episode. Number one, William Sadler steals the show. Mm-hmm. I think he's really, really good, especially the scenes where he talks to Jesus you. Yeah, I thought that was really good because that doesn't happen in the comic. Mm-hmm. And, I mean killing someone in a cage while they're working is cooler than tossing someone in some water. I'm sorry. It just is. It, it, no. Um, I liked it just because of how ridiculous the comic is. I see that. Yeah. that That's... William Sadler is amazing in that episode. Great acting. And like you said, the best part of it is when he is talking to the camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's... The comic is just so over the top. Yeah, and almost it, it it allows itself to be silly. And does it go show. into camp? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I it mean, tiptoes. Yeah, it, it, it definitely tiptoes because it's we have this villain who is you know an over the top villain. He looks like this stereotypical mad scientist at the time. Yeah, and you know, coming out of World War II, he looks like a Nazi. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, yeah, I thought both of them were solid. Mm-hmm. I just think that the episode is a little more entertaining. But okay. yeah, I thought it was a really great way to start off. And you guys tell us if you've seen this episode or read the comic, what you liked about it or disliked and uh, which one you thought was better. Ryan says that I say Ryan in the third person like it's not me. <laughs> Cut that out. Uh, I thought that no, I'm the totally that son of a bitch <laughs> two episodes in and I'm a rock star. Where's my green M&M's? 
Yeah, uh, I thought that the uh, episode was slightly better. You thought that the comic story was slightly, was slightly better, better yeah. for sure. But but overall, still mm-hmm. solid. Right. Just a solid. Mm-hmm. Um, the, neither one of them have the oh my god moments, mm-hmm. you know. But it's just a good solid. And neither story. one of them is really that stereotypical what you expect from Tales from the Crypt. Right. It, I would say both of them are on the same lines of like it's the least Tales from the Crypt story, right. uh, probably it, it, that we're going to get into. Oddly enough, I think it's the the comic actually is more graphic. It has more of the stuff that you expect from an HBO show than yeah. an episode of the HBO show. When, when James Flood is killed by the executioner, he catches fire. Yeah. Right. That is something that's way more graphic than than what you actually see in the TV show. The worst you actually see is when the couple is executed in their hot tub and they're frothing. That is jerking around. Really, yeah. really funny. Yeah. <laughs> Especially like the slimy way in the episode. The husband's like, it was all her. Man. Right. And, and she's was, like, oh, it's, it's all his idea. Right, right. right. They, they totally like break their slimy like companionship together at the same time when they know that death is on uh, next on to the them. Way, yeah. Yeah. So that, do you have any final thoughts before we move into the closing? Uh, no, I think that was just a really good episode, a really good story. And this is definitely going to be uh, a really fun journey to yeah. see the difference between oh, the two absolutely. because not only are we going to see first off actors because that's the cool thing about it is there's actors and um, more modern mm-hmm. twist on things and as far as storytelling where in the 50s there was no budget there was no special effects so they could do whatever they wanted right. or they could be as goofy as like I'm shoving this bitch in some water you know <laughs> right so that's going to be super fun and interesting and uh, I love it Great. Yeah, I feel exactly the same way. So, like Ryan said, if you have seen the episode or if you have read the comic, please let us know your thoughts about it. And if you just have comments or questions in, in general, you can email the show at cryptkeepersshow at gmail.com. And you can find me at Mr. Spooky Bruce on Twitter. And Ryan, you are at Horror Ryan. H O R R O R Y A N. There you go. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, Please leave a rating and review on the podcast service of your choice. And share with a friend. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you soon, kitties.